Uh, I just wanted to share something, share my heart a little bit, uh, because uh, I, I recognize uh, this week that I am so blessed to be able to do what I do at the age that I do. Uh, it is not very common uh, for churches to allow you know, people under the age of 30 to consistently teach every single week. And, and I love being a teacher, teaching pastor here at Crossbridge. And, and I feel so blessed that, you know, the staff, the elders, they believe in me. They empower me uh, at a very young age to be able to use my gifts and to be able to do what I do. And uh, I just kind of wanted to share a little bit about how I got here uh, because the story is a little unique. Uh, you see, in sixth grade, I had a heart to heart with my mom. Uh, I was doing very poorly in school, and she was frustrated with me. I don't know why. And so I looked at her, and I said, Mom, when aren't you going to realize that I am not an academic kid? I am an athletic kid. And looking at me, my size at 5'6", I haven't grown since fifth grade. Um, that wasn't also true either. And so fifth grade, when I realized I wasn't getting much playing time on the football field, I decided to pursue a new career. I was going to start rapping. Who remembers the Chitty Scent days? Way more of you than I'm fond to admit. And so I started rapping junior, uh, all the way until junior year of college and writing music. And uh, then I realized that I wasn't very good at that either. And so um, I, I saw Brad and I'm like, huh, if Brad can get a job at a church, then anybody can get a job at a church. And so I went into ministry and that is how I got here. And the question I wanted to ask you is, how did you get here? Uh, some of you have been at Crossbridge for a very long time. Uh, and this is a place that you have poured sweat, blood, tears, prayer requests. Uh, you were here back in the day when uh, we had a building park forest. And then we went portable for, what was it, 10, 12 years around there, and then we built our office building out here, and then we built our main building out here, and we started meeting around five, six years ago, about six and a half years ago. Um, and so uh, some of you remember that. Some of you have been here just for a couple of months. Uh, COVID um, has been difficult for churches to meet, so you've checked us out um, and enjoy that we're able to meet outside, and we're very blessed to be able to do that. And then some of you, this is your first week here. And you're wondering, what the heck is a church allowing a kid with tattoos and orange hair to teach on stage? And I would be as concerned as you are right now if I were in your shoes. And so you're probably thinking, let's get out of here. But I just want you to know that we are a Jesus-loving, Bible-believing, sometimes orange-colored hair teaching church. And we love Jesus. But at the end of the day, we have to wrestle with the reality that we're all in. Because... Uh, it does not take a rocket science to look on social media and to look around our world, specifically our country right now, and see uh, everything that is going on. And let's just be honest with each other. It's exhausting. And it's exhausting for everyone for different reasons. For some of them, uh, it's because of COVID. And some of it is the media. Some of it is the racism that still exists. Some of it is what's happening in our sports world. Some of it is happening with oppression and human trafficking. Some of it is just the church world. And it's just exhausting to be alive right now. It really is. Regardless of what your beliefs are, your stances are, I think that's one area that we can all admit on and admit through. And so we have started this series last week called How Did We Get Here? Because... The ways that we got here is not the reasons that we should be here. 
we have turned not just right now we're just going to be addressing Crossbridge, our church, our community, is that we have spent the last couple of months during 2020, really the last year, engaged in and engaging in hateful ways of delivering or discussing our beliefs and our stances. It has been so toxic to look on social media and, and watch the conversations, watch the arguments. And it, it, our staff just began wrestling a couple of weeks ago. How as a church, as Crossbridges, did we get to a place where this is our response to what's going on? And so we're wrestling with it. Brad kicked off the series last week and he talked about kind of just the golden rule, the standard that we are set as Christians, as Crossbridgers, that we are called to love God and to love people. And then I'm going to take it a step further today and talk about how we then translate that to how we interact with people, whether it's online, whether it's in person, whether it's from the news or social media. And we ask ourselves a question. The question I want us to be asking us today is, if Jesus had a Facebook, would he be your friend based on the things you post? And so would you mind just praying with me? As we dive into today's discussion, Heavenly Father, God, you're so good. And I'm just privileged to be able to be on here and share what you have placed in my heart. I just pray, God, that we open up our hearts for us to be able to receive what you have in store. Use me as your microphone. You be the speaker. In your name I pray. Amen. If Jesus had a Facebook, what type of stances would he take? Would he even log on and participate in the debates? Would he spend his time on a platform that often spews hate? Would he look at the church and be embarrassed by the gospel that we create? And if Jesus had a Facebook, would he be impressed or would he be troubled? Would he see what I post and then have an internal struggle? Would he watch all of the arguments online and then prepare his rebuttal? Or would he look at individuals and post aggressively or subtle? And if Jesus did have a Facebook, I wonder, would he unfollow me? Would he see what I post and think of that is a child of the one true king? Would he walk around town next to me and gloat that we are family or would he turn the other cheek when he's asked if he's related to me? Would he talk about masks? Possibly. Would he talk about the national anthem, racism, and players taking a knee? Would he talk about COVID and all of the conspiracies and would he talk about oppression and human trafficking? And so if Jesus had a Facebook... What type of stances would he take? I wonder if he would be ashamed of the way that Christians respond with hate. I wrote the poem a few weeks ago at 3.30 in the morning when I couldn't sleep because an individual close to me had just been attacked online for beliefs that they didn't have or handled. And it was a Christ follower attacking another Christ follower. And I'd like to say that that is abnormal for the church, that that is abnormal for Crossbridge, but it's not. It's something that we still struggle with here as a community. And so today we want to wrestle with how did we get here? How did we get to a place 
where the way that we treat individuals online or in person takes precedent over how God calls us to treat one another. And so here's my agenda today. I want us to get back to the core. I don't care what you believe. I know a lot of great Christians who are uh, Republicans, and I know a lot of great Christians who are Democrats. I know a lot of great Christians who are third party or stay in the middle and who are frustrated with the atmosphere that we're in. So I don't care whether you lean left, right, what your views are on any of the issues that we talked about in the poem. What I care about are these three things. And I believe as a church, we have to get back to this. Is the first is that Jesus is king. Jesus is love. And Jesus is the hope of the world. Our political parties aren't king. Our government isn't king. They're not love and they're not the hope of the world. If we can agree as Christ followers that it truly comes back down to the center that Jesus is, then regardless of how we got here, what we're going to do about it right now can be revolutionary for the rest of the world. And so if you want to turn with me to Acts chapter 17, that's what we're going to be looking at because we need to go back to the roots of the church that was launched thousands of years ago from Paul and Peter and the disciples. And Luke is recording in Acts chapter 17 some very powerful advice for Athens, for Athenians, individuals who are kind of foreign to what's going on. They're not understanding exactly. And we're going to pick up in verse 16. But as we turn there, I want to share this quote that hit me hard this week. And it was by Brene Brown, an intelligent, brilliant woman who writes books and also has a podcast where she brings individuals on to talk about core issues going around the world. And, and the quote is this. I need to spend more time trying to get it right rather than be right. I need to spend more time trying to get it right rather than be right. And we've said a variation to that quote before. It's not about making a point. It's about making a difference. It's not about being right. It's about getting it right. And obviously we all could put together an argument to be right. You can find any type of news article or media source or statistic to find your point of view, but that's not what Jesus wants us to do. Jesus wants us to trust that he is king, that he is love, and that he is the hope of the world. And in order to do that, we're trying every single day to get it right. And so in Acts chapter 17, Paul talks about that very notion, that very idea in verse 16 when he's sharing the gospel, trying to get the church in Athens back to the core of Jesus. And this is what he says. Luke writes, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Now that word babbler stuck out to me, and so I looked it up. And babbler in Greek is spermalagos. Everyone say that because it's fun. Spermalagos. I didn't hear a single one of you, but that's okay. And so in Greek, spermalagos was originally used to describe birds that picked up seeds in the field. Now, how it got translated to today is very weird, but they just decided to use it as a derogatory form of describing someone calling individuals who mouth off pointlessly about topics they don't know anything about. How many of us know a babbler in our world today? 
How many of us are sometimes babblers in our world today? Not enough hands went up. <laughs> and so the Athens, the, the church in Athens is looking at Paul and they're like, hey, you're talking about something I haven't really researched. I don't know anything about. And so rather than researching it, I'm just going to call you a babbler because it's a point of view that I don't agree with. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? And so carrying on in the passage, it says this. Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, Oh man, God wants me to preach from Acts 13 instead. The wind just blew me over. People of Athens, I see that in every walk you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. This is the center of Paul's message. These three things he's going to point out. That Jesus is king, Jesus is love, and Jesus is the hope of the world. He walks into Athens and he says, hey, I see that you are very religious. But Jesus didn't call us to be very religious. He called us to be sacrificial. He called us to be unashamed. He called us to drop everything, leave everything, and follow him. And there is something so different about being rule followers, being religious, and being Christ followers, being loving. And so Jesus says, hey, I see that you've got the rules down. Now let's address the idolatry that you have in your lives. And so here's the three points that he's going to talk about. Verse 24, first, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. First thing Paul says is the God and everything in it, he is king. Jesus is king. The temples, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the leaders of your day, they're not king. Pontius Pilate, he's not king. He crucified the king. And then he rose three days later to declare that Jesus is king. Second thing that Paul addresses is this. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Second thing Paul says is that Jesus is love. Jesus did all of these things. He walked down the Via Dolorza, the way of suffering. He walked about a mile from where he was uh, condemned to where he would be crucified on Golgotha to experience the type of pain that we should have had as our penalty. And he says, hey, I did that, Paul says, so that you would have the opportunity to be able to seek him. That's love. Jesus could have easily have been right. He could have gotten off the cross when the Roman soldiers were declaring and shouting and the Jewish leaders were declaring and shouting at the cross saying, hey, if you truly are the Messiah, get off the cross. 
Well, guess what? I found this one article and I'm going to post it on Facebook because it condemns that person for their belief. But instead, Jesus stayed on the cross because he wasn't trying to be right. He was trying to get it right. He wasn't trying to make a point. He was trying to make a difference. He was trying to launch the church that would do the same. Jesus is love. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, point number three, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like social media, is like lust, is like pride, is like racism, is like ignorance, is like Facebook. I feel like that's what Paul would be talking about if he were in our culture today, the idols that we pursue. But instead, Paul writes this. He says, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. He says this, in the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. 31, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Paul ends his story by saying that Jesus is the hope of the world. That the idols that we are following are not the hope of the world. And we all have idols. We are not immune to those. I have my idols. And the way that we address those idols on social media and with other people who disagree can be a make it or break it for someone's walk with Christ. And Paul ends that by saying, Jesus is the hope of the world. Everything that we do today, whether we agree or disagree, has revolutionary and a revolutionary influence on the next generation. Friends, Crossbridgers, we can do a better job than we have been doing. You see, we can't worship Jesus on Sunday and then post like the devil on Monday morning. And what I struggle with, because I've just made an effort to not post anything, but what I struggle with is scrolling through Facebook still, and then when I see something I disagree with, I start getting angry inside and hateful. I'm like, well, that's just a bunch of baloney. And that's just as bad as making a post about it, because it's a heart issue. And we can't worship Jesus on this beautiful Sunday morning and then react like the devil on Monday, because I could be wrong about a lot of things. But the three things that I truly believe in, that if we can all agree on, Jesus is king, Jesus is love, and Jesus is the hope of the world. If we can agree on those three things, it can be revolutionary for the church, for Crossbridge, and for nations to come. And so here, as we close today, I want to give you a challenge for this week. A challenge that I believe can help us take next steps in this revolution that we are starting. And the challenge is this. Many of us have social media. Many of us have email. Many of us have friends who we have conversations with. What if for the next seven days, rather than posting about politics, rather than posting about the media, rather than posting about uh, things that we disagree with for the next seven days, what if we filled up social media with only things about Jesus? With only Bible verses? With only cool things, exciting things that God is doing in our lives? And then when we see other people share those things, what if we then went in return and shared them so that our friends could see them? 
Because I truly believe that the mental health crisis that we're experiencing today is uh, directly involved with the social media crisis that we're experiencing today. And so what if we filled Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, uh, Snapchat, what if we filled all of our stories and our pages with Jesus for the next seven days? I think it could be really powerful for the next generation, for our generation, for this community. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. You are so loving. You are king. You are the hope of the world. How we got here, Lord, is a mystery still, but I'm ashamed of it. And I just pray, God, that I do better, that I post better, that I love better, that I listen better. Oh, man, that is a good point, that I listen better, that I try to get it right, not be right. God, this is on me. I am one of the leaders here of this church, Lord. I just pray, God, that this is on my shoulders too. And that, Lord, that when I see things that I disagree with, that I respond in love and try to get it right, not be right. Try to make a difference, not a point. Thank you, God, so much for this community. I'm so excited about this church because there's a lot of good happening. And I truly believe that we are going to be able to take next steps with you. I love Crossbridge. I love this place. And I can't wait to see what we do. In your name I pray, amen.